Good morning. I'm so thankful again to be in the house of the Lord. I thank uh, Pastor Russ for allowing me this opportunity. Uh, about two months ago, he gave me the, the scripture and kind of the title and all of that, and I've been working through that uh, feverishly over the last uh, two months. I want to thank God for this house. I thank you. Thank God for the elders of this house and those who are a part of this ministry, worship team, and everybody that is doing uh, what God has brought them together to do, putting this church and pointing the people of this church to Jesus Christ. Would you please stand for a moment as I read Genesis 49. One through four. Sometime later, Joseph was told, your father is ill. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, along with him. When Jacob was, when Jacob was told, your son Joseph has come to you, Israel, reeled his strength, he reeled his strength, and he sat up in his bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan, and there he blessed me and said to me, I am going to make you fruitful and will increase your numbers. I will make you a community of peoples and I will give this land as an inheritance, an everlasting um, possession to your descendants after you. You may be seated. 48. Thank you, Charles. Boy, we need help, right? Some time ago, uh, me and my wife was watching a, a movie. The movie was called The Bucket List. Anybody saw that movie? Yeah. She asked me this question uh, after the movie. She asked me, she said, honey, before you die, is there something you want to do? Is there something you want to see? What do you want to do before you die? I thought of that uh, question for a while. Didn't give her an answer then, but I begin to think. And the thing that I thought about is, what has God put in my hand? What has he put in my possession and my responsibility? And then I mentioned to her, I said, you know, I prayed and I asked God what I want to do before I leave this earth. I want to be the best husband. I want to be the best father. 
I want to be the best uncle that God has called me to be. With his help, I can accomplish that by putting my life in his hand. That's what I, that's my bucket list. Before I leave this earth, that's the height of my life. I entitled our message today, Lord bless my home. Bless my home. Bless Eric's home. You can make that personal, but I'm saying, Lord bless my home. God's ultimate purpose in redemptive history is to create a people for himself, for his good pleasure. A people from every tribe, every nation, the whosoever wills, let him or her come. And you can come right now before we end this lesson. Whosoever will, let him come. Come to, to dwell in his presence. To glorify him in and through our lives. And to enjoy him now and forevermore. I really believe that that's the power of the family's blessing. It starts with salvation. Salvation in Jesus Christ, our Lord. That those who are in our tribe, our families, that they know the Lord. When Jesus comes into your heart, please hear me, he is welcome in your house for the purpose of turning your house into a home. See that, Lord, bless my house. You see the house all, all lit up. He wants to come into the house and, and to light up the whole house. Here's sort of a play on words. House, house brick and mortar and floor joists and and wood and you got a roof and you got shingles and you got a TV. Maybe there's a couch. There's stuff, physical stuff, house. But what Jesus desires to do is to come into our house to bless it that it may become a home. What's the difference? The home is the environment. The home is the people that are in the house. The temperature and the, the atmosphere. He came to turn your house and my house into a home, which is a place for him to dwell. We'll get back to that just a, a little bit. 
In our lesson, Jacob, who was given the name Israel, which means he that, that striveth with God, Israel, the one that strives with God. He is now regarded as a patriarch of the Israelites. He's the grandson of Abraham, Sarah, son of Isaac, Rebekah. In our text, Jacob is calling his family together and he's doing it in his final hours. First, he calls Joseph and Joseph brings his boys, Manasseh and Ephraim. I love the meaning of their names. I really believe names mean something. Manasseh means God made me forget. You know all of the trouble that Joseph went through and all of the stuff that he went through? Can you imagine him seeing his child every day, understanding that it is God that helped me to get through all my trouble? Waking up and seeing your children and realizing it is God that has helped me to get through the storms of my life. And Ephraim means fruitful, which means it is God who has allowed me to be fruitful. We can be fruitful in ourselves, but it's, it's not enough for me just to be fruitful. But when God is in our life and he's over our life and he's commanding our lives, we become fruitful. I thought that was beneficial. Looking at your kids and realizing you've overcome some struggles and some trials and the fruitfulness that is in your life is only because of God Almighty. He calls Joseph and then in chapter 39, which I oops and uh, did that thing earlier, Jacob calls together in 49 the rest of his children. He called them so that he may bless them. And through God's divine prophecy to tell them what will happen to them in the future, what will befall them in the last days. As the followers of Jesus Christ, we teach others and as well as our children and live by example through the word of God in how to conduct ourselves for we are living in the last days. Let me read you something out of uh, 2 Timothy about that. 2 Timothy 3, 1, it says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, uh, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, and not lovers of the good, treacherous, 
rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Have nothing to do with them. Nothing. Have nothing to do with that. Have you ever witnessed some of this before? Maybe it was when you were young. Maybe you witnessed that when you were a child. Maybe you witnessed this at school or with your friends. Or maybe in conversation. Maybe you've witnessed this on your job or maybe you witnessed this in your house. Maybe it is on the news. But it is despicably clear that is all around us today. I like the King James Version on this. It says that we are living in perilous times. It gives us the idea of troubles and difficulties and stressful situations. This sort of temperature or atmosphere will mark the last days. This pressure is all around us. What must the people of God be doing in the last days? Our first point. Getting ready to meet the Lord. Nothing else to that. <laughs> there's a lot that comes with that, but there's nothing else. But to be getting ready to meet the Lord, keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, living in preparation of his return. In our passage, Joseph, he brings his children together, but I'm going to do a little reading before because I want to show you that before Joseph meets with his children in 48, he makes his funeral arrangements. We talk about being ready to go to heaven, but have we made our arrangements to get out of here? Jacob is packing up and he's getting ready to go. I remember when I was little, I grew up in church and as a little boy, I remember this pastor, he was about in his 70s, 80s, maybe even 90s, older gentleman. I remember that very vividly. And he, he preached a sermon called, I'm packing up and getting ready to go. And that guy was, he was, oh, he was going... Packing up, getting ready to go. I'm packing up, getting ready to go. That guy preached that day. And even as a little boy, I remembered that. But then I remember us going back to church that next Sunday, and some of the missionaries had said that he had died on Tuesday. He had just preached his last sermon. Even though he did, one thing that we do know 
is that he was packing up. And he was getting ready to go. And faith, if you never see me again, I want you to know this day that I'm packing up and I'm getting ready to go. Joseph and his funeral arrangements, uh, 47, I would read uh, in verse 28, he says this, he says, uh, Jacob, he lived in Egypt 17 years, and the years of his life were 147. Say what? 147. When the time drew near for Israel to die, he called for his son Joseph and said to him, if I have found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh, which is a picture of the covenant and circumcision, and promise that you will show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt, Jacob said. But when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. I would do as you say, he said. Swear to me, he said. And Joseph swore to him and Israel worshiped and he leaned on the top of his staff. You see, Jacob, he claimed and knew that he belonged to the land of promise to he and his descendants. He clearly believed and understood that he was an inheritor of Abraham's covenant. Wow, to come to the end of your life and have this assurance and you heard that the scripture said, when you do, he worshiped. When you're packing up and you're getting ready to go, <laughs> what you do more than anything is just worship. Just thank you, Lord. Thank you for all you've done for me. This year, I got a phone call. I received a phone call from a gentleman named Paul Cook, like a father to me, friend, confidant. He always called me brother. Brother from another mother, he said. He called me. First, his daughter called me, didn't get me, and then she called me back. And she put him on the phone. And my friends, two months earlier, I was going to see him, but he got sick and I was getting ready to go back to see him. And so I get this phone call. It's going to be, you know, let's get back together and kind of connect. And he said, hey, brother, how you doing? I said, I'm doing all right. He said, I want you to do something for me. I said, what's going on, man? He said, I'm not going to make it through the night. He said, I'm in the hospital right now. I'm having lung stuff. 
and I'm going through some sickness and I'm on my way home, man. I'm going to meet Jesus. I'm like, whoa, I ain't ready for this phone call. And then he said this, let me tell you something, man. I want you to preach my funeral. And I want you to tell them about Jesus. I don't want to hear nothing about me. I want you to tell them about who Jesus is and what he came to do. And I said, yeah. Or my heart was filled with sorrow. I went to the funeral and I remember hearing that he had passed uh, three days after our phone call and that he had gathered his children and his grandchildren around, making sure that they knew the Lord Jesus. One by one, he would speak to them. I remember someone at the funeral said that they had time of worship around his bed and they were praising the Lord in song and he was blessing his grandchildren and his children. Maybe many of us won't have that time, but let me tell you something, bless them right now. We may not have that opportunity, but we have that chance to do it today. I went to that funeral, I was, I was grieved, but I was so excited because I knew my brother knew the Lord. And I remember after, before he got off the phone call, this is what he was telling me that he was going through. He told me that even to this very day of my sickness, I'm fighting off fears. I'm fighting out of doubt. I'm fighting the devil at every hand for he is throwing fiery darts in my mind right now to the very end, he said, but Jesus will have the last word. And that last word is that he had for Paul is welcome home, my child, welcome home. This call was for me. It was a personal call for me to get ready. <laughs> I'm going to give that same call to you. Get ready. Matthew 24, 44 says, so you also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect. James 4.14 in the NLT says, how do you know what your life will be tomorrow? I know we got plans tomorrow and we got stuff to do, but how do you know you'll get a chance to do that? Your life is like the morning fog, it said, like a vapor, a dew. It's here for a little while and soon it's gone. My friend, the realization is this world is not my home. Just passing through. So our first point, get ready to meet 
the Lord. Another thing I see out of this passage in verse 2, it said, and when Jacob was told that his son's son Joseph has come to you, Israel railed his strength and he sat up in his bed. Jacob is uh, 147 years old. His eyesight is dim. His physicalness, he's feeble. Though Jacob was sick and he was dying, Israel, which is his new name, was able to raise up. Let me tell you something. Wherever Jesus is, there will be a resurrection. If you got Jesus in your life, you're not going to stay down. (laughs) It's because of Jesus that we get through the things in our life. Amen? It's because of Jesus. And wherever he is, there will be a resurrection. So I say that Jacob was dying to live. For he had a love worth dying for. There is nothing like waking up in the morning, my friends, thanking Jesus for another chance at life. And that sense of excitement causes us to be dying to live instead of living to die. Do you know there are just some people that are just existing? They have no plan, no future. What are you doing? I'm just hanging. I'm not doing anything. And when you're not doing anything, you open the door for everything. For anybody and everything that we That's a choice that we desire instead of what God desires. I got a point here. Listen to this. As you build in your house, we sung that song. That was just so awesome. Be reminded that you must live in what you build. Whatever you build, you're going to live in it. And if you want the living to change, look to the Lord and he'll help you to deal with the building of that home. I really believe that's the reason why Jesus calls his followers to deny self and take up your cross and to follow him. Because if we wasn't doing that, we'll just be hanging out. We'd just be wondering and just doing stuff. To take up your cross daily is about my attitude toward a situation. But wait. Self don't pick up crosses. Self is not trying to pick up a cross you will only pick up the cross to the degree that you deny self. 
May we choose to die to live. I, and I brought that statement up. It's been something in my life that sort of brings energy. When you're going through struggle, it says that I'm, I'm going to get to the other side. I'm going to be dying to live instead of just living to die. Jacob, he, he, he raises up. He felt his strength returning. He gives all that he had when he heard his son Joseph was coming. And when he heard his name, he exerted all his vigor to receive him with proper gratitude and remarks. Remember we talked earlier? When Jesus comes in to your house, he's welcome into your home. For the purpose of bringing light to the house, Here's sort of a practical question. Are there rooms that is locked in the house that he can't get in? Are there some rooms, some, some basements? It's usually kind of cold down up in there. Maybe it's an attic. A little dusty. Maybe there's a room that is locked. Remember, when Jesus comes into your house, he comes in to light up the whole house. Matthew 5, 15 says, no one ever lighting a lamp, which is a picture of Jesus' light coming into our life and put it under a bushel basket. But you put it on the stand and it gives light to all in the house. So in the same way, let your light shine before Others, so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Question. I just love questions. Because I know we got blind spots. So let the Lord show you this for an answer. We ask this question. Lord, am I missing shining your light to someone in my house? Is there someone in my house not benefiting from salvation in Jesus Christ through my life? We got blind spots, folks. It usually starts out not, not too big. It's usually the small stuff that builds up. Am I right about it? I remember we were in Phoenix, and uh, me and my wife, we, were, we had a discussion. It was about money, bills, stuff. And we couldn't come to an agreement about stuff. And so we argued about stuff. And as we began to argue about stuff, we came to a resolution. I don't even want to be around you anymore. 
So guess what we did the rest of the night? She was in the living room, I was in the kitchen. But she go to the dining room, I went somewhere else. We passed each other doing like this. And when we got to bed, we slept in bed like Ricky and Lucy. <laughs> she slept on that side of the bed. I slept on this side of the bed. Watch this. I didn't want nothing to do with the one person that I love. I didn't want nothing to do with her at that moment. And I went to sleep. You know, the scripture says, don't let the sun go down while you're angry, right? And I did. And I woke up that morning. I remember brushing my teeth. And my wife came into the bathroom. And I just felt that spirit of conviction. It was nasty. That's nasty stuff, folks. And you know what we do sometimes? We avoid the nasty. Don't avoid the nasty. That was my opportunity to say, hey, honey, come here. <laughs> let's go to the table. Let's pray and let's work this thing out. But it's little things. Usually it's not big things. Listen to this. And when you are weary and, and disappointed and distracted and disheartened and you're tired, the enemy comes in your house. He shuts the door and you won't even know he's there. Because we're distracted and we're discouraged. And the enemy begins to come into our house. We must guard the door. <laughs> My friends, we must guard the door of your house. Not allowing the enemy to come in, dealing with situations that are tough and they're hard. This is tangible stuff that we fight about all the time. Let's put our energy into being dying to live, which is an expression that I use to say, Lord, you're welcome in my home and I need you to show me the way. I submit my life to you. I come to you. I humbly Ask that you would help me. That's what he's called his people to do. Is to cry out to the Lord and ask him for help. As I wind this thing up this morning, let's follow Jacob. He's reminiscing now of God visiting him. He looks to his past and he mentions God Almighty, El Shaddai, which means God is more than enough. He said that he, meet, he met with God at Luz which is called Bethel, the house of God, a holy place. Wherever God meets with you, it becomes a, a holy place. It's a meeting 
with God. He knew who he was before God came to Jacob. Jacob knew who he was. Jacob's name means supplanter, which means schemer, which means trickster. Jacob was a swindler. He tricked his brother out of his birthright. In the midst of doing so, his brother Esau, who he tricked his on his father's deathbed, playing games. In the midst of tricking his brother, now his brother is after him trying to kill him. And God met with him and wrestled with him. And Jacob came to his senses and he didn't let God go. He said, Lord, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. That's a cry of our heart each and every morning. Lord, don't let me go because I'm not letting you go. I ain't letting you go, Lord, until you bless me. Jacob knew who he was. He knew me, watch this, yet God met him as a swindler, as a trickster, as a schemer. Watch this. When God meets with man, he knew me, and yet he loved me. When God meets with us, he knows who we are. We can hide a whole lot of stuff from each other. But ain't no hide nothing from God Almighty, the one that is more than enough. Jacob is saying that it's God that is keeping me alive for such a time as this. It's God Almighty that met me in order, watch this, that he would bless me. If you met with God, he met with you for the purpose of blessing you. Why are we looking for blessings everywhere else? God meets with us so that he would bless me. You are a blessing. You don't need to look anywhere else. God blessed him. God didn't come to him to harm him. Did he deserve to be harmed? But God gave him mercy. And this is what he says in verse 4. He mentioned that God blessed him. And here's the purpose why God blessed him. And said to me that I am going to make you fruitful and will increase your numbers. I will make you a community of people, a tribe. And I will give you this land as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you. Even when you're dead and gone, the blessing continues to go on. When we begin to plant it in our children, plant it in our community, 
planted in and through our lives. Whose testimony is that today? That you met with God and he blessed you and you became that blessing so that you may bless your house, your tribe, your community. And for a moment, let's just look at our past. We saw Jacob's past. Let me hit everybody all together. What is our past? First Peter 2.10 says, once you were not a people, we were far away from the Lord. We were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And once you had not received mercy, but now you have received. And you know why? Because Jesus was kind to us and that he was generous to us. So God Almighty did not just bless Jacob or me for me. He blessed me so that my home would be blessed. And so many more. And he blessed me with an everlasting possession, eternal life. That even when I'm gone, my children and my children's children would be blessed because the faithfulness of God rested on my life. And that when I close my eyes, I've done what he's called me to do. We have a Savior, my friends. We have a Savior. His name is Jesus. He comes through the tribe of Judah, one of Israel's sons. His name is Jesus. He rose from the dead for you and I that we may have a right to the tree of life that we can be welcome into his presence whenever we desire. Lord, bless my home. And when he comes again, this lion of the tribe of Judah, it won't be in kindness. Every knee must bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, every, from, from all the ends of the earth, people will be coming to Jesus.